0: This is the Red on Red Podcast on redfm.ie.
1: This week on a spooky podcast, we're talking with Houseu Records songwriter and producer Matt Corrigan, aka Ghost King is dead. Get the lowest price ever at Radio Shack on the most powerful transportable cellular phone system. Just $7.99 when you sign up with Radio Shack's authorized cellular phone carrier.
2: Go where you wanna
1: go. There's nothing else to buy, and it's ready to
2: go wherever you go. Go where you want to (laughs) go.
0: Take the control. control.
1: Off the heels of our House to Record special a couple of weeks ago, Alex Goff with 1 800 Call Me and Actual Acid with Apollo. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast, dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie, as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath Bryan, and for the next hour or so, we're chatting with Matt Corrigan, singer, songwriter, and producer under the suitably spooky name Ghost King is Dead. Matt, happy Halloween, bye. Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Keeping us company on the witching hour So your new EP This Is Doubt has just been released Another Hausu collective release How do you feel about it now that it's been released And what are your feelings on how it's been received
3: I'm Honestly I think that the thing that's been most incredible About the release of This Is Doubt Has been the reception I've gotten from other artists Mm. A lot of people that I had a lot of respect for Before I dropped it That I was kind of wondering How could I interface with this person I found those roots through the release Like the actual reception as far as an audience goes has been really similar to Sweet Boy. Came out in January. There hasn't been that much of a change that way. But I made a lot of friends through the release in a weird way. Hmm. Which uh, I've been really, really happy about. Quite gotten to the point yet where I've started to be really critical of it. Yeah. Because, of course, with everything you make, there comes a point where you look back at it and you go,
1: oh, no, I could have done this so much better and I haven't quite gotten there yet. That's just the voice of experience more so than just, you know, kind of a harsher internal dialogue. You'll always have that no matter what you do. You were talking about kind of being better received among artists. And like for an art form that is dependent so much on community in this city and beyond, that's half the battle, really.
3: Absolutely. I've never understood this hyper competitive mentality that you sometimes see arising in people where they just cut into other musicians in such a small area Mm. where, in fact, working together is primary directive, you know?
1: And we'll talk a little bit about that prime directive a little later on when we discuss How But first, let's get talking about Matt Corrigan. You're not really a relatively recent arrival to the Cork scene because you've been around in various capacities for the last couple of years. Uh, You started incredibly early as a singer, songwriter and live performer. But that's in line with having grown up with a house full of music. Am I correct?
3: Yeah, well, uh, my whole family is incredibly into music, even if they don't all play it. Mm. Um, my uncle is in a band called The Shed. He's really, really into music. He, How did
1: I not put one and one together on that, actually? No yeah, Jim Perkin. Yeah. yeah.
3: But uh, he he would have made compilation CDs for me and my mom when we were in the car. And My mom's always loved music. She used to play piano when she was young, but she's not massively into it anymore. My father's a guitar player. I started playing guitar because he played guitar and he sang And uh, I'm just surrounded by people who are really, really into music and into the arts and that passion that didn't always incarnate itself in actual playing of the instruments passed down to me and my cousin Jack, Actual Acid and another cousin of mine, Molly and to Drew who's uh, Automatic Blue and just so many of us ended up really taking up that mantle and making our own music.
1: We'll be hearing a little bit more actually from Automatic Blue a little bit later on in the show but aside from an inherited love of music you also had the benefit of a little bit of a classical education in the Mm. art form maybe take us through kind of the sacrifices that are made in terms of time etc when you're younger in getting into a classical education so early and how that informed your initial kind of approach to making music
3: I don't think that the benefits of getting into music education early can really be understated um I don't think the benefits of getting into music education early can be overstated. I think it's an incredibly beneficial thing for young musicians to do. Um, my own sisters are 8 and 10. My 10-year-old sister is a better keys player than I am now, At 20, after five or six years of teaching myself because she had that education. You young
1: lads are scary. Like, the, 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 <laughs> the proficiency that you have now that would put any of us to shame, even 10 years ago when we had the, the, the gumption to try and do weird stuff.
3: It's a, it, it is, even I get scared looking back at younger musicians, realising how good they are. I think it's just a, an accelerating process. If you look at God Alone, I mastered God Alone's uh, new project, and I just sat there listening to it going, these guys are all two years younger than me again, and they're making this incredible stuff. But when you were mentioning the, the Casca education, I guess I was just really lucky in that my own father started playing guitar a bit later in his life I think he was in his 30s when he started playing guitar and he realised because he had that context that the best way to approach it no matter what I wanted to do even though he was a rocker and into blues himself was that if I pursued classical guitar first I could branch out and he was right Mm. Uh, I definitely learned the technical skills I needed to go into what I do now from that Uh, but that's absolutely a privilege that I had
1: it's interesting, actually, that you mentioned that your old lad took up music later in life, because like I think a couple of us that go to gigs regularly and hang out kind of find ourselves wanting to create again after a long period away in our 30s. And, you know, obviously the spectre of being cool dad or cool ma'am is a couple of years down the lane. Seeing that happen and kind of watching somebody else learning or maybe, you know, learning as being taught, kind of how has that kind of shaped your perception, shall we say, of, of learning, of music learning?
3: Well, it's funny because I never, I don't know, it it, it was far, far down the line by the time I realized that my dad wasn't the best guitar player in the world. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, I I would have, even after years of classical training, always looked at him as being this, you know, incredible, phenomenal musician, even though he was just teaching himself guitar on the weekends when he wasn't working, Yeah, you know. And um, so it, it really was a case of later on when I decided I wanted to pursue music myself, realising that he is a a genuinely really good guitar player realising that he taught himself in his 30s and looking forward and going well if I go to music college at 19 and I dedicate this time to it I can hopefully achieve some musical goals I have set for myself
1: but that's what you want in fairness like that kind of empowerment from the get go Um, you're also a product of the all ages scene that almost wasn't Mm. uh, in a way In that, you know, the glory days for all ages gigs in Cork City kind of cut off at the beginning of the recession as venues shied away from the insurance costs and, Mm. you know, a pop cultural shift was changing for that demographic that came out of school and grew up throughout the recession in that not only was live music a thing now, but so too were Xbox, Netflix and so forth. And the lack of spaces and such available to younger musicians and younger gig goers Kind of forced people's hands a little bit in that the only two spaces that were there were two spaces in which you were very um, involved. The Camden Palace Hotel, which is now uh, lying empty and derelict thanks to the encroachment of property speculation, and the ground floor on Marlborough Street, which is still actively in operation and encouraging the next generation again of young musicians. Maybe talk to us a little bit about kind of living in that space and attempting to kind of create that niche for yourself and others because I know that you ran gigs under the name Emergence uh, out of one or two venues uh, and you the roots of Ghost King is Dead really came from your experience kind of in and around that time as well as a lot of musicians that are currently really starting to establish themselves now
3: yeah absolutely I think that I was 14 or 15 when I first went to Ground Floor I I, I went up I called up to a friend of mine who lived up the road um and he was going. He was going out, and he was like, "Oh, do you want to come with me? Come into town. We're going to a concert." And at that point, I'd never seen a local band play. I had no idea that that was even a thing that happened. Yeah. And I went along, and I saw a, a metalcore band play called uh, I I can't remember. And what, what the, the worst bit about that is, I actually go to college with the drummer of that band. So that, that's particularly bad. But.
1: Um, metalcore seems to be like a common denominator in a lot of formative experiences yeah, that we talk about and I was, show.
3: I was I was about 14 so that was the perfect that <laughs> was just the perfect point in my life for, for going to a Metalcore show
1: but you're at the opposite end of like a 10 year Overton window where people like that got into Metalcore uh, in around 2005 2006 with Trivium and all of this Yeah, and then like at the opposite end of that scale where like metalcore is becoming to be less of a thing or maybe even ironic to a certain extent. Yeah,
3: I i, I definitely, caught, definitely caught the backhand of that movement. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was just absolutely shocked by what was going on. I just couldn't believe it. It was the coolest thing in the whole world to me. Because up until that point, I'd just been playing guitar alone in my bedroom and uh, mainly acoustic. I think I'd just gotten my first electric guitar. And Ooh, I, Judas. I, I remember going, yeah, especially as a classical player. And... <laughs> I went into, into secondary school the next day. I was well, I was in second year, third year. I went and I found a friend of mine, Neil O'Sullivan Green. Hey. I, went, I went up to him and I said, we need to start a band. We should start a band. So we started a band in inverted commas. We didn't start a band. We just played guitar together in classrooms during lunchtime. And that was enough for a while.
1: Jam Talk will follow you throughout your career regardless. It was so it's good to get practicing.
3: Absolutely. And then... Um, I went back I said okay I have to go to another one of these gigs so I went to another one and I met the drummer of that band that I played last time because they were the only people I knew so they were playing another show I went and I met that drummer and we ended up becoming really good friends and I started a band with him called Tume Monk and I started another band with him called Underbite and together we yeah we ran a lot of shows in Camden Palace and we, we played in Ground Floor and honestly I think that I had the extreme benefit of Living in a time where there was a really, really good all-ages scene in Cork that I'm afraid that it isn't there in the same extent now as it was when I was a teenager, but it could just be that I'm out of touch.
1: Ever was it thus though, venue turnover is always a thing. People are going to shy away from the responsibilities of insurance and security and all of this. And to an extent, I mean... Like, The Haven over on uh, The Keys has played host to God Alone shows, um, among other things. So I think there's always going to be an option or somebody's always going to be working away on an option, necessarily. Cypress Avenue has also started doing all-ages shows again.
3: That's, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, but um, I'm glad
1: to hear it. I mean, Pale Waves was low-key an all-ages show. They had a, a kind of a double session of Hypnotic Brass Ensemble that was all-ages during the jazz. So I think, slowly but surely, that's kind of shifting back in that direction
3: I'd hope so because I mean I'm aware the ground floor is still open but Camden Palace was such a huge part
1: of my own formative artistic experiences that that was lost and hasn't been replaced no and the temporary loss of Rebel Reads is kind of another blow because that was in position to start delivering small shows as well so like I was sentimentally attached to the Camden Palace as well I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat that and very definitely somewhere that people can go from ground zero is somewhere that's missing. But Camden Palace was also your ground zero in that I remember seeing Tume Monk and Underbite on gig posters for the Camden Palace and for the ground floor while I was in and out. But around the time that we first started talking, you had come up with a solo project that initially went under the name Ghost King before uh, evolving into its current form, which we'll talk about after the jump. (laughs) But maybe talk a little bit about the kind of the tail end of that time and where Ghost King and that first demo came from.
3: I don't fully... Know what it was that drove me to start making music on my own because I absolutely loved being in a band and it's what I wanted for so long. Mm. But uh, some part of me has always thrived in some degree of isolation. I was an only child for most of my life. I primarily grew up playing music alone. I learnt through an art form that was primarily solitary. Classical guitar is usually played in a solo environment, although not always. And I think I'd resigned myself at some point, at some degree, subconsciously, to this uh, this solo persona that was, was inevitably going to happen. And uh, then it did. And I, I'm glad.
1: When we come back, we'll talk about how Ghost King is Dead comes to be, because that's a... That's an entity onto its own. Mm. But first, we'll go to some tunes. You've chosen a playlist for us this week, um, a lot of which are Hausu Records artists. And we'll talk a little bit more about Hausu later on in the show. We opened with Alex Goff and Actual Acid. But now, well, coming up, we have Podge Lane with Bass Fishing.
3: Well, Podge is uh, an incredible singer-songwriter, actually. He's a good friend of mine. I go to college with him. And uh, he's one of the people that really struck me when I was in there... As somebody who had this drive and this vision and ambition and skills, certainly, but moreover, the desire to improve that uh, I respect so much. He's really, really good. Beautiful voice, beautiful lyricism. And he's got this character and this narrative and colours and story
1: that I, I really, really like. We have another expansionary solo project with Yankee and we should be dead now.
3: Yeah, what I think is really cool about Yankee is that Graham I only met him recently he's a, he's a friend of, of my cousins but I had listened to his material as Graham Cooney years ago when I was 16 uh, I listened to he had songs I think uh, Falling Like a Fool was one that sticks in my head it's, the chorus of it is still stuck in my head years down the line and then I I, I never heard any more of him and then Yankee came out with the uh, incredible "Are You Alright," which I still will stand by is one of the greatest bangers ever to come out of Ireland. It is it. a
1: tune, and it makes regular appearances on here because people are just drawn to it. It's
3: just such a good song. And uh, but I
1: remember going, "Who is th- who's this?" You know, who's Yankee? And I was so happy to find out that it was Graham. It's, that's how a scene is constructed, though all these small coincidences and it being a small world we'll get straight to it so this is Paul Lane with Bass Fishing here on Red On Red
4: There's times that I see clearly times I'm full of doubt The only time you need I shut my mouth But I know it's a waste of time Cause you know, I know You'll never be mine I wish I was a big time famous movie star The kind that goes to court And suffers from withdrawal The kind who needs a better escape Bass fishing in the night El Camino way And I would call you up to Say
0: goodbye
4: I think if I was better At the things I do I'd find a way to mess it up And stay askew Cause who likes being right All the time not knowing everything is a hell of a right I think about being a celebrity And how my own ego would go punish me And I'd find a better way Than bass fishing at night, El Camino way But I'd still call you up to say It had to be you
1: with We should be dead now, here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by Matt Corrigan, a.k.a. Ghost King is Dead, on a special Halloween edition of Red on Red. Before the jump, we were talking about the state of the all-ages scene as you were coming through and the supports that you received. Um, Ghost King kind of came to a wall in about 2015, 2016, and Ghost King is Dead kind of emerged in its absence What kind of necessitated for you not so much a stopping of Ghost King is Dead but an evolution of it um, creatively as well as expanding into a a live four piece?
3: Well I think that the transformation from Ghost King to Ghost King is Dead came from a prolonged internal dialogue that I was having with myself and and with the character of Ghost King and, and with the idea of what I was trying to achieve because originally I did have this vision and I had all these ideas and concepts but I didn't really evolve them enough prior to the the project and as a result I ended up creating some kind of bizarre uh, artistic amalgamation of a variety of ideas that none of which quite fit together yeah. um, and I came to the conclusion well, I guess, you know I'll leave it here, Ghost King is dead
1: and then and I, that made for a fantastic name
3: and then I, I stood there shell-shocked and Angels descended, uh, singing, and I realized that that was the next step was to sing about the death of Ghost King, and to bring it and what forward. What that meant to me, because at that point I realized that I was writing about, as as all songwriters do, ultimately I was writing about conflict, and the conflict, primarily the conflict I was finding in my own life was with the music itself and with Ghost King, and once Ghost King is dead, all I could do was. Um, mourn.
1: <laughs> yeah. But from that, death kind of sprang something else entirely, as well as being a solo project and as well as kind of really being an expansion of your original vision with it. You also started a live four piece, including members I of did. the collective that would go on to be Hausu. Can of bring us into the process of adapting your songs for a multiple person band and a live experience more so than you had prior?
3: Adapting my songs to a band setting was remarkably easy, in a way that almost scared me. Mm. Uh, I was incredibly lucky to be surrounded by incredible musicians, great artists, people that just took the sound and immediately turned it into something that was uh, transferable to a live setting. The drummer is uh, in the School of Music with me, uh, a guy named Chris O'Sullivan, and he is without a doubt one of the greatest musicians I have ever met in my life bass player JJ Lee has done stints with it seems every band in Cork City and uh, yeah,
1: he's one of those lads that just kind of turns up every place yeah I'd heard rumours there was another bassist stroke journalist around the gaff as well and it's good to see that he's uh, that he's thriving he's
3: he's incredible he's really good and I, I think it's his work ethic really stands to him he's willing to take anything on and he'll run with it and is willing to improve not only willing to improve but has, has the profound desire to do so mm. and with Neil he's I've, as I said earlier I've been playing with Neil for majority of my life <laughs> uh, well when I say my life my sentient life your adult life yes the the life wherein I was a human and not some kind of <laughs> wandering uh, beast a ghost if you would a ghost if you would but um yeah it, it really an incredible band and on occasion I've got uh, Dave O'Mani, Dahio Mahuna uh bass player for Aponym and doing a million other things beside... All the Dungeon Synth. Oh yes, and the Dungeon Synth. The incredible, incredible, uh, n- very niche Dungeon Synth. But it's very, very cool. But um,
1: he's, at, he's really after picking up a little bit of progress sorry, with that label of his that he's running. It's really, really cool. Celtic yeah, Wraith.
3: Celtic Wraith. Yeah, I mean, Dahi's always been... From the day I met him, I thought he was a really cool character. Mm. And he has only developed upon that by doing such things as starting a tape distribution label called Celtic Wraith distributing lo-fi dungeon synth music to Europe
1: well should, there should be more tape in Cork regardless I think there should be more way to pick it up yeah. but the fact that he's kind of played on that niche alright and kind of built himself a distribution network around Europe is, is pretty amazing when you think about it again yeah. there's all these DIY stories Um, of people kind of achieving these things kind of under the radar that you'll only find here on Red, on Red. (laughs) Um, Your relationships with repeater and kind of related folk with whom your band was built kind of developed into something a little bit more. Um, A lot of the people that you were playing with became to one degree or another members or associates of Hausu which we'll talk about a little bit further on but just at that point did you see yourself kind of being further involved than just kind of live collaborations was a good like was there always the idea that there would be like a DIY infrastructure? Yeah, or was it always kind of play it by ear? And I mean, happened. I mean, working together is uh, for us
3: uh, not even second nature, but primary nature. I mean, how was developed off family ties. Realistically, mm. it was originally Jack, Actual Acid, Repeater, uh, who approached me at I think a was it a St. Stephen's Day dinner yeah he came over to my house on St. Stephen's Day and we were having dinner
1: that's a nice euphemism for gaff party
3: yeah and uh, yeah family gaff party and he sat down and he said to me oh by the way me and the repeater lads were thinking of starting a little collective label thing would you be in and I was like okay sure and I mean if you talk about playing live together I play in the Automatic Blue live band Jack plays in the Automatic Blue live band there's the repeater band I mean, you know, we we all produce for one another, we all work for one another. Even if it's not directly credited, Mm. everybody plays a hand in everything everybody else does. And that was always going to be the case. The fact that it took on a name is simply a formality.
1: But all this talk of starting a collective began in earnest in January with the release of your Sweet Boy EP. A lot of people kind of crystallized their roles in House 2 Records and kind of got a run of what they would like to do uh, with the release of the Sweet Boy EP maybe talk a little bit about how the collective came together around it and kind of what you were seeing in terms of what people wanted to take on in order to kind of help one each other out
3: Mm, absolutely well Sweet Boy was it was it was incredible it's still one of the fondest memories I have of making something just because it was the first time that I turned to other people and went look I'm gonna need a hand with this I don't think I could I don't think I can do this aspect of it alone Mm. Uh, we had the ultimate benefit of having a uh, Cullum, who is the the beating heart and uh, an incredible mind of hosu
1: shout out uh, to Cullum kahalan
3: yeah well, what a, what an incredible gent but he was taken on board i, I believe he was friends with uh, i think it was hassan originally it doesn't matter he's part of the family now but uh he he came on board i'd never met him but then very quickly Things started to fall into place, and 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 he really just helped Houseu come together and put out this release, and use it to unify and def- kind of define to a degree what we wanted to be. We learned from it and transferred what we could transfer into this new form that has that has emerged recently. With again the release of This Is Doubt, it seems that uh, I'm always the first in at a phase at a turning point of Houseu, which is fine for me.
1: Grant to be a guinea pig isn't it <laughs> the first well,
3: one through the doorways gets shot
1: off the back of the momentum that you generated with that release uh, you kind of parlayed it into your first major festival appearance earlier on in the year with Joe Kelly and Ed O'Leary's It Takes a Village down in Tribulgan maybe talk to us a little bit about your experience kind of heading down for it
3: yeah I mean It Takes a Village was incredible it was really just really really cool I mean I know that that word can be attached onto anything but try to think of it in it's most classic concept mm. sunglasses on baseball hat backwards cool uh i remember arriving down and just thinking this isn't like anything that i've experienced before which was incredible because i didn't really know what to expect went down the food was great the music was better again the set was fantastic the lighting was fantastic the sound was fantastic the whole thing was incredible it was a phenomenal experience and it really brought the band closer together as well which uh which i thought was maybe the, the best part of the whole thing. But uh, it was a great experience for all of us to get away and get down somewhere and play. And I met some great people at it and I spoke to some musicians I really respected for the first time and I made some friends. And yeah, the whole thing was really, really incredible. I really like what they're doing down there.
1: And I mean, that's great to hear that that's happening because that's Joe's baby. He's been shopping that around for the last 20 or so years. Yeah. Kind of an Irish ATP. And to see the way that it's been received, to see how well pre-sales are doing for It Takes a Village 2 next year, Available now on newticket.ie It really speaks to the strength of the idea And what it can do for people
3: Absolutely Joan Ederton. They're doing fantastic work all around Between With the Good Room With yeah. anything that the Good Room's doing Yeah St. Luke's and
1: Just even like the chances that they take On a on, on a jazz weekend For example Where last year they Headlined with The Altered Hours And this year They ran a full Hour long Not improv But very definitely fringe jazz set With David Duffy X, eat My Noise and The Hard Ground just to see the risks that they're willing to take is a tremendous thing to see for Cork Music and a tremendous endorsement of out there ideas we'll talk a little bit further about Hausu Records and the development of Ghost King is Dead when we come back but first we've got some tunes for you Matt you've got Repeater with Sweet Dream 7590 another Hausu Records uh, project
3: yeah I mean Repeater is just absolutely insane I love it so much <laughs> it's such a wild uh, such a wild uh electronic experience it's just a journey, really. I remember when Jack first showed it to me being absolutely perplexed i didn't know what to make of it, and then I realized that it was in fact the the peak just the the summit of of electronic music in my own in my own opinion. I love it a bit. I think they're incredible and they're always pushing more boundaries. Uh, Recently enough Jack showed me some material Of What they have cooking Yeah And it had me Excited like a six year old On Christmas Eve
1: That's a big expectation To be facing on a band Yeah If they're listening You also have Automatic Blue With Gas Mask and Happiness
3: Yeah That album Caught me off guard Entirely Baby What a phenomenal album But I've obviously known Drew For My whole life More or less And Uh I'd heard music he'd made before and he was in Screwjacks before this and he'd done bits and pieces, so I didn't really know what to expect. And I tried to make an effort not to listen to demo material in Hausu unless specifically asked to do so because I love hearing and being surprised by the finished material when it's shown to me.
1: That's so odd because, you know, Cullum is so proactive in getting people to listen and pre-listen to Different things, etc., kind of within the press at the very least. Yeah, uh, just kind well, of listening yes. to, to WIPs. That's a bit mad.
3: Although well, the WIPs are usually quite, quite, quite near to being finished product, yeah. whereas this would be, you know, he bouncing things back and forth, and I knew that he was getting his production advice from Jack, and really there was there was no role I could play in this other than watching it develop. So I decided to wait and, and see what he did, and he released that album, and I listened to it. And the songwriting and the production, the aesthetic, both visually and uh, and musically,
1: a real strong point to the collective
3: real, uh, well I, I mean it's, it's just because we have luckily a lot of very incredible people working with us, but uh, yeah, Drew really did a phenomenal job with that album, but that song in particular, I remember I was I was walking I was walking home listening to it, and I stopped. And I stood outside UCC in the dark and I listened to that song with my eyes closed.
1: Isn't that mad? You, like the, that to be in a collective of people that are genuinely vibing off each other's shit. Like.
3: Yeah, it's incredible. It makes me so excited. It's unreal.
1: On that note, we'll get straight into it. So this is Repeater with Sweet Dream number 7590 here on Red On Red. Blue with Gas Mask and Happiness here on a Halloween edition of Red on Red, suitably joined by Ghost King in studio. And before we made the jump, we were talking a little bit about HowSoo Records and how the whole thing has come together and how it's kind of congealed. How Sue has handled everything that you've released subsequently, and that includes another EP, a bunch of interstitial singles. Like, it's been an incredibly busy year for you. Mm. How has that balanced with you starting college and playing live for a whole bunch of other people? And just generally, how Hausu has kind of congealed as not only a collective of artists, but as also an in house collective of musicians for each other's creative deals.
3: Well, uh, what's great about Hausu and what's dangerous about Hausu is that we love it so much, <laughs> and all of us are always dying to use our spare time to work on Hausu stuff. Well, yeah. I, I know I, I certainly am. And we're all quite busy people. Um, but unfortunately, what that can mean is sometimes when you should be taking time off you're working on house to stuff and mm-hmm. that's not good for anybody but for me personally yes it has been a very busy year of releasing music because it's what I do it's what I pour all my time into it's mm. it's my ultimate release and it's the, the best recreation uh, when it comes to this year I've found that the time pressure is a little bit a little bit more harsh yeah as I am in college for well, more than half of my day, certainly the majority of my waking day.
1: You place goals upon yourself and you want to achieve them, though. That's what comes with it. Mm. But the importance is just from sheer brutal experience that loading yourself with kind of too much of an expectation at one time can lead to stress, can lead to time pressure that you were mentioning. Mm. So just kind of at the outset, if there's anything that I'd say to anybody kind of in that position, is absolutely apportion your time make sure that there's time to do dipshit stuff like watching Netflix and playing video <laughs> games on top of kind of, you know, pursuing the art seriousness of creativity and especially inside in the School of Music where oh, there's to, yeah. such a standard for and turning out musicians of such calibre Yeah, no matter I, what you're doing.
3: Absolutely. I mean, it, the whole thing is I discovered earlier this year that it was really, really important for me to set goals in a small time frame to understand what a month meant yeah. as far as an achievement goes. The reality is that a month doesn't always mean something spectacular, especially the deeper you get into the creative process. I mean, earlier down the line a few years ago, it would have been the case that I could have made something in a month that would have really been the peak of what I was capable of making. Mm. After that point, I would have simply been, you know, polishing. Uh, However, now, in order to create something to the best of my ability, it takes far, far longer than that. And you see that down the line better artists again With when there's more to do when you understand the process more it takes longer and I've needed to know that and appreciate that and understand that there's no sense in being frustrated that I cannot make a project to the peak of my ability in a month yeah. now because the peak of my ability is so much more than a month's work yeah uh and and, and understand that and being able to set that boundary and being able to understand well what what do I want to do in a year and how can I allocate that time efficiently mm. because understanding what you want in a year doesn't mean well then I can do nothing now and then spend six months absolutely tearing my hair out and it doesn't mean I need to do it all now and then in six months time realise oh well I've broken myself entirely over that and now I need six months to just chill because I've burnt out and you might even achieve what you were ultimately hoping to do in that case So yeah, there really is a a huge balancing act that needs to be done.
1: You're currently just off the trail of releasing your newest EP, This Is Doubt, which has been touted as a major project for the development of Houseu going forward and yourself as a creator. Maybe take us through the creative process behind this EP specifically, kind of what's changed as a result of having that collective to fall back on, how that's affected your process and generally just what you wanted to do with this release.
3: Absolutely. Well, This Is Doubt was me really for a good portion of it, certainly when I wrote Hollow, when I wrote Burnout, and when I wrote It's Over. Yeah, actually when I wrote the whole thing. Yeah. I was going through this process of not fully understanding what I wanted artistically, which can be a rough place to be when you need to create artistically. Um and I I, I came to the the conclusion that the only thing I could really do was to write music about not knowing what music to write and hopefully the expression will be genuine enough that the product is good enough.
1: That's such an overwhelming feeling to be stuck with being torn in a load of different directions and not knowing how to externalise all of them, you know?
3: Well, yeah, which is exactly why the fact that I managed to get through it and make something that was artistically coherent is something that I care a lot about and something that I'm quite proud of. And uh, it's, it's it's one reason I'm so happy to have put that project out. I mean, ultimately, the topics I'm writing about in the project could have been the end of the project. Yeah. Had I not been able to to write about them and to express them and to catharsis in that way.
1: But catharsis is important and it kind of leads on to the next question. Um, I had an interview today for uh, Totally Cork magazine with Liam Malone where she talks about the creative mm. process being something of a little burial, quote-unquote. Obviously, This Is Doubt was, for you, the letting go of a couple of negative emotions regarding the creative process. But maybe talk about how you worked with others in getting those frustrations and those feelings into line writing about them and then bringing them into a production process.
3: When the first song I finished off This Is Doubt was Hollow, Mm. because it was me in a moment of darkness and confusion... Wondering, you know, could I do something else? Could I make something that was totally different to anything I've made before, and and pursue a totally different artistic path if I think that that's what will help? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I decided that wasn't the the right thing to do. I I, I would be better off just to adapt to myself rather than try and cast myself aside. But I sat down in Centra on Oliver Plunkett Street with Drew Automatic Blue, and I showed him Hollow. And I told him all this. I sat down. And I showed it to him. He took off the headphones and he said, hey, "You could absolutely put that out as ghost king's Dead. It's class. Who cares?" And a simple statement, and something he just said. You know, you know the, just the knee-jerk reaction to me to me showing him the song, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. And that, as well, I think, epitomises the impact it has had on me as a musician, certainly in the last year, knowing that. These struggles I have and knowing that my own battle with the creative process and with writing, knowing that I can turn around to the house guys and tell them this and knowing that they'll come back and say, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, we've got you. But, you know, this is what we think and we genuinely have your best interests uh, in our hearts because, again, uh, they're my family and they're dear friends of mine.
1: But your Your experience with a collective is kind of a microcosm for what's happening overall in that, you know, a lot of the superstructures that would have kept Cork music up and running, like venues and so on and so forth, have changed. And in response, collectivization has become a very definite theme of Cork music. It all started a couple of years ago with the Cutting Heads Collective coming together to keep boom bap hip hop and such. Uh, alive and functioning um, Paranoid Beast has been a great coming together Of metal promoters and interested individuals In order to provide a bottom line of Regular gigs and all day festivals Happening um, Yourselves obviously with electronic pop And that kind of Internet informed um, Genre fluidity that you have going But also the likes of Teletext um, Who have who have really come together In the last couple of months To promote bands like Aponym Like Chameleon Fields and so forth like we could be here all day the electronic folk obviously an example of people from the art, pop and folk end of things with a monthly residency at the Roundy promoting shows Um, Sesh FM Sesh FM and we've had them on the show there a couple of weeks ago a testament not only to the importance of collectivisation for creativity and mutual support but also you know for really defining and getting a musical identity out there for a number of artists I mean maybe outline from your experience kind of the macro importance of collectives and of collective action to the development of rock Music
3: I'd be very good friends with the guys from Teletext mm. and I think what's great about Teletext is that they have this very very focused outward perspective they're looking at everything everybody's doing and they're wondering how they can work together what they can do for people not what they can do for themselves and I, I think that that example can be followed by, by many others. And many people do that without the the conscious desire to do so. But they certainly, Donna, especially I see Donna often and, and we chat a lot about doing solid stuff. Solid dude. Very solid dude. But chatting about doing stuff with how and Teletext and, and, and the way he, he tells me things and he's telling me about what they want to achieve is, is really quite incredible. And I think that really there is an epitome of them just wanting to help people. Yeah. And that has done so much for so many people. And as well, we could talk about uh, how it legitimizes people also. Like there certainly is a degree of, as a unit, people are stronger than as individuals. I mean, I don't think that's up for debate. No, But uh, seeing that, you know, if, if someone approaches me, one of the Teletext artists, and they tell me, you know, that they're with Teletext and they have this backing and they have all these individuals who will back them up. I'm a lot more likely to take them seriously no I would take them seriously anyway mm. but any given person may be more likely to take them seriously I've seen that with Hausu I've seen that with everything that everybody's doing and as well it gives these group identities that allows people to bind to one another Like take me and any given person in Sesh FM we had a Hausu listening party uh, people came out we just listened to the songs we had a few cans it was great great laugh but the Seja Femme lads came. They didn't come because they're personal friends of ours. They came because Hausu and Seja Femme have a relationship. And because of that Hausu and Seja Fem relationship, we are now personal friends. Yeah. Or at least I would think so. I would hope so. But uh, you know, we ended up actually meeting them and talking to them and understanding what they want to do and understanding that our ambitions are, are not that far from
1: one another and that we're far better off and far more likely to achieve them if we achieve them together whether, you know, on a music scene or personally, you know, people are stronger together. They're stronger working together and they're stronger moving toward a common goal. When we come back, we'll talk about stuff upcoming in your immediate future. But first, we're going to go back to that playlist you've been making. Turning to a slightly heavier direction, we have Cork Metalcore Boys' Selkies with Lovejoy. Yeah,
3: Selkies are something else. I love them so much. I go to college again with, with Dylan Walsh, the drummer. And I mean... I've, I was waiting for him to do this project I knew it was coming I didn't know what it would be called I didn't know who he'd be doing it with but I knew that one day I'd have the opportunity to listen to Dylan Walsh play those drums and I'm so delighted that he did the fact that he's doing it with Keen Milan and Andy and Luke and that they're all so perfect for what they're making yeah, and they're just mental I love it
1: great another Kian Milan project uh, the brand new single from God Alone The. Uh,
3: yeah I, I had the supreme pleasure of mastering that track and uh, I, I I did some I did some stuff on their first EP and at the time I was playing a bit of synths with them live and just the progress that they made and the progress that the sound made I mean it sounds huge and listen to Jake's voice on that track he's in 6th year
1: yeah, it's, it's insane what they've been doing. You're talking about examples of people being scarily mature. It's, yeah, it's terrifying. It's, it's, it's incredible to and see... I'm, and I'm
3: 20 and I'm terrified.
1: Yeah. It's incredible to see, though, that that's the direction that Cork City Music is heading and that we have a generation of musicians that are empowered to do whatever the fuck they want because there's going to be that support from collectives and individuals that want to help out. And that's the strength of Cork Music as a community and that's something I've always found down through the years. We'll get straight into it. So this is Selkies with Lovejoy here on Red On Red. Nothing are
2: you
1: Got Alone with Dagda here on Red On Red. Just before we wrap up for the week, Matt, you've got This Is Doubt released across all digital formats right now. Give us a skinny about where it can be found and what's coming next.
3: Well, I'm all about keeping keeping the ball in the air. Mm. Uh, This Is Doubt is on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, it's on Bandcamp, it's on SoundCloud, it's on Deezer, if anybody
1: still uses Deezer. Deezer is big in the Francophone market.
3: Really? Yeah. Well, hopefully I've got a lot of Francophonics. Uh, Hey (laughs) I just today I released uh, My Hollow Halloween mix Ooh So uh Where can that be found? Soundcloud The Ghost King is Dead Soundcloud I'm interested in doing More stuff like that I've got Pre-music videos Currently in production I'm Producing stuff For other people I'm collaborating With new people Just last weekend I went down to Waterford and went to the Anomaly event
1: Hearing a lot of good stuff about the boys
3: Oh yeah I mean Alex Scoff again he's one of the guys who runs it that's why I went down I'm working with another one of the guys from Anomaly Evan Miles, doing stuff with him and I met some people there that I'm going to be working with in the future some really exciting names in, in Irish hip hop so I'm just keeping the keeping the flag flying
1: Have you any upcoming gigs to be plugging first?
3: I'm looking forward to the new year where we're, we're we're stepping back and regrouping and the taking. one time
1: I get you on the podcast you don't have like a midweek gig someplace to be yeah
3: <laughs> well it, it was so intense for a while that we came to a position where I, I was so happy with what we were doing that there needed to be a point where we stepped back and went well look we've done so much and we're so happy with where we are how do we take it beyond that so uh, we're looking at the we're looking at doing some shows around Ireland in the new year and really just taking things up a notch
1: we're gonna finally hear a bit of your tunes now coming up you got uh, Tokyo
3: Mm, yeah uh, Tokyo I think rounded out my it was the final song that I made on This Is Doubt but it was the first song on the release because it was really just every emotion I had over the course of the release just tied together into one track because now the lyrics although the same had an entirely new meaning and as well it was an older song I made when I didn't have the focus or the the skills that I have now and I got to come back to it and remake it in this new context in this new light and really tied together the fact that at the end of This Is Doubt at the end of all this fear and struggle with the creative process I went back to this root for myself artistically this thing I was always so proud of and I made it better and I made it something that I can be even more proud of going forward
1: that is unreal to hear that is all from this week's episode of Red on Red Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie thank you very much to Matt for joining us this episode thanks for having me where can we find Ghost King is Dead on social media
3: I primarily have been using Twitter these days there's just something so beautifully personal about it and uh, Cullum is always trying to get me not to say certain things on Twitter
1: Ooh, he's because, a PR man, all right. Because,
3: but it it is just a personal platform, and I love it so much. You get to connect with people. I've made friends on Twitter. What
1: do you it's, think of the great deliking? liking? The deliking? liking? They're removing the like feature. Oh, what? Yeah, this is this has been burning up now the last couple of days. I I
3: you know, I'm talking about Twitter as if I'm some kind of expert, and I didn't even know that.
1: Get checking. Yeah, it's going to change how people kind of interact. On I'm, ba- platform, I'm right? about to
3: become part of some serious heated internet discussions mm. when I get home. Or even uh,
1: less now The window for passive aggression is shut Yeah, <laughs> Come on yeah. That was
3: always the best part But uh, Instagram's great And I'm sick to death of Facebook But I'm still there
1: uh, Going where the people are Thank you very much for listening And if you like what you're hearing Please take the time to subscribe And leave a review on iTunes And now Google Podcasts As well as other platforms Please share this on your social media And make sure to check out the artists featured online Or at an upcoming gig And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. We leave you with Ghost King is Dead and Tokyo. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week.
3: myself down completely you know uh, you know so we can dance around the chalk outlines of a man that I killed with change debate whether things would be better had I let them stay the same with this obsession with recreation Is rotting me at the core I don't think I can do this too many times more
2: Cause I'm not
0: on red
1: Pale Waves actually who's that Manchester indie band it is Pale Waves isn't it hang on
3: do 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 do, 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 do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's that Manchester goth band